Acts 2, verses 14 to 40, Peter addresses the crowd. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, 
for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Amen. Um, so I want to share a little bit about God's gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the verses that I'll focus on are verses 37 to 39 from our reading. And the first thing I want to talk about is the power of the gift of the Holy Spirit and also the new thing that God began to do through the Holy Spirit. Verse 37 says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Um, every time I read Acts chapter 2, that bit always gets to me. Some translations say that Peter's words pierced through the hearts of the people. And I'm always moved by the incredible power of the gift of the Holy Spirit that I believed allowed Peter's words to pierce through the hardness of the hearts that day to pierce through speculation, to pierce through religiousness, uh, and just enabled him to articulate a preach that carried um, power, that it transformed 3,000 people's hearts and minds. And they said, what is it that we need to do? And Every so often, I just have to stop and ponder a little bit when I read the word, when I read something like that, and, and just envision what that was like. 3,000 people, and I don't think that that crowd started out, well, we read, it says they were, what's the matter with these people? Are they drunk? How are they speaking in our language? What's going on? It was a bit of a commotion. And the Bible says that Peter addressed them and he began to speak. And he had just received, along with the other apostles, the Spirit of God, the gift of the Spirit. And the power of that gift began to work and cut through everything that was opposing that day. And we see 3,000 people saying, what is it that I need to do? That excites me. Because it makes me, it reminds me of what I have, what we have. And as we go through the book of Acts, we see just demonstration after demonstration of the power of the Spirit. In verses 38 to 39, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you 
and your children and for all who are afar off. And this was the new thing that God was doing. He'd released his Holy Spirit and it wasn't just going to be for the Jews. It wasn't just going to be for particular people. It was for whoever chose to believe in God, they would too receive uh, this gift. God was about to break down exclusivity. And I just think it's so wonderful that God, you know, and he's saying the same thing today, that he's not partial to who we are. He's not partial about whether we're black, whether we're white, whether we're rich, whether we're poor, whether we're educated, whether we're not. He's saying, if you choose me, I have this gift for you. And it carries power. It carries the weight of the kingdom. And that makes us, the body of Christ, one. And that's good news uh, for, for me in a time when God is highlighting the evils of racism. You know, we, the church, we have an opportunity to stand on that truth that everybody is equal. And the world out there that is dark, that is broken, that is confused, they need our example that we are all one. And we see in Acts chapter 10 that, because I don't believe this would have been possible without the power of the Spirit, because there were laws back then that said the Jews could not mix with the Gentiles. And, and there's a great example in Acts chapter 10 of the Spirit working through Peter and Cornelius to bring about God's heartbeat, uh, which was, I want to give this gift to whoever uh, uh, receives me. And we see that God had to give Peter a vision three times about the food coming down, telling him to kill and eat. Peter's like, that's not what I do. It's unclean. But God was preparing him to go to Cornelius' house, who was a Gentile, and preach the gospel, you know? And again, I'm just encouraged by the fact that God may want some of us to go to places where we probably think, that's not for me. You know, I think of Jackie Pullinger, you know, rocking up in, in China. And look how God used her, you know, the flow of, of the power of the Spirit. And we see in the story, Acts chapter 10, where God sends Peter to Cornelius' house. And when Peter hears what Cornelius says, he says in verse 34, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Again, we have that opportunity to stand on God's truth in a time where discrimination, things like this are being exposed, that God accepts every nation. So just before Jesus was going back after his resurrection, he said to his disciples, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. And I just think that's how we partner with God to see a multiplication of the gift of the Spirit being extended to those that are near, 
and those that are afar off by being his witnesses. Um, just, I don't know if people are familiar with the Glasgow prophets, but they send out what are called lion bites, uh, prophetic words to uh, the, the nation and the church. And this one that I got recently, I think just ties in with all of this, with, with just an encouragement for us to partner with God, to be his witnesses, to see the gift that we have, that we've received available on offer to those out there that need it. So I'm just going to share it. You are salt and light on your street, in your neighborhood, at your workplace, your school, your university, and your nation. You are the one who preserves and demonstrates my life, yet it requires your participation. Salt is only useful when it is used. Light is only evident when it is uncovered. So let your light shine. Sprinkle salt into conversations, social media, and all your interactions. Let your light be uncovered. Yes, it might cost you something. Give it away. It costs me everything. And I ask you to follow my example. Let your light shine. Dare to stand out as one from my kingdom. Sprinkle kingdom thoughts, words, and deeds in order to push back the decay and death that is creeping upon the earth. Be brave, I am with you. I think that's such an encouragement. And I believe that that's how we can build life with Jesus from Monday to Saturday in our everyday lives. And you know, we're all different personalities. We present differently. And I just believe that God creates opportunities that suit who we are. So, you know, it might be that chatty stranger at the bus stop that's just talking to you. And we're thinking, why is this person talking to me? I just want to get to work. But perhaps that's an opportunity where the Holy Spirit on the inside is saying, witness to that person about me. Because guess what? You've got something to offer them. And it's my gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. It might be, you know, when you're in the nail shop and God says, I want you to talk to that young uh, nail technician about me. And I'm like, I'm not doing that, God. In the morning, I've had no coffee and I'm grumpy. You know, I'm very grumpy in the morning. But then when I look at this young woman who I don't know from the next person, I feel the love of God bubbling on the inside of me for this young woman. And so then I partner with God and participate and we end up having a lengthy conversation about God, about the devil, about life, about what happens when you die, about Jesus, about the resurrection, about what it means to be a disciple. And the conversation ends with her saying, thank you for telling me these things. And then she says, I'm going to order myself a Bible. So whatever the situation is, I was saying earlier, are you the person in the workplace where, you know, that particular person comes and is constantly telling you about their problems? That's an opportunity to be a witness and to offer this great 
gift that we have received. You know, I was listening to Gareth share last week, talking about the church becoming more vulnerable and raising our level of expectation as to how people respond to the good news that we have. You know, and that may cause us to become a little bit vulnerable. But I think about Peter on that day, standing in front of all of those people, full of the Spirit of God, the power of God. And God's not looking for anything from us other than our participation, our obedience, and the Spirit, the gift that we've all received. That's what goes to work. That's what flows through us. That encourages me all the time. So there's, you know, we've heard about one mission that's going to be happening. That's a great way to plug in and get amongst it. And when we were planning uh, for this service, Ben reminded us of the weekend away when those of you that were there, we were asked to take out our mobile phones and to text somebody that we didn't, that didn't know the Lord and just ask them, is there anything we could pray for? And the following week, we had such encouraging uh, stories of people that did that and the experiences that happened on the back of that. So perhaps that's something we can think about. Shall I build that into my everyday lifestyle? Perhaps once a month, I'm going to send a text out to somebody that one of my friends that I know doesn't know God. You know, what's that thing that we can build into our lifestyle that will place us in opportunities where the gift that we have received can be available for so many others? I'm going to end with a quote by C.S. Lewis. The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ and to make them little Christs.